Hello and welcome to Design Break Podcast, a new podcasting experience designed to help you break into the creative world and grow your career. I'm your host, Rocky Rourke, founder and design director of Blue Cyclops Design Company, and I'm here to help you. So let's get started. Now, before we get started with today's episode, I just want to say this was originally recorded back in July of 2019. Unfortunately, I took a pretty long hiatus <laughs> from posting the podcast, and I do apologize for that. This is actually going to be the first episode I'm posting in probably about four or five months. And don't worry, there will be a lot more episodes coming out. We already have some recorded and ready to go, and we are back on production. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and here we go. Hello, podcast family, and welcome to a brand new episode of Design Break Podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Rourke, and I'm joined today by Allie Mounts, an amazing designer out of Memphis, Tennessee. Hi, Allie. How are you doing today? Hey, good. Rocky, how are you? I am doing good. I am tired and sweating in my (laughs) studio right now because it is burning up in here. (laughs) So why don't we open this up uh, and and go ahead and and why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? You know, the the easy stuff. I mentioned where you're from, but maybe you want to talk a little bit more about that. Hey, so uh, I'm Allie Mounts. I'm a designer, brand designer, web designer, illustrator, uh, and I live in Memphis, Tennessee. It's where I'm born and raised and where I currently live. You know, I, and I think you mentioned this in, in some other interview. I, I did a lot of digging uh, into you, which, by the way, yeah, is I noticed actually that. hard. <laughs> yeah. it, is, it is so hard to actually find information on you on the Internet, which I, I'm actually shocked <laughs> in this day and age because it's, it's usually so much easier. But I, I read somewhere that, you know, because you're from the South, which I, I am too, you know, you don't have a Southern accent. I, according to most, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't hear one. I don't hear you know a southern drawl or anything like that. And so I'm curious, why do you feel like you you don't have one? You know, I've wondered that for a long time. I think it's because my mom is from East Memphis, Knoxville, mm-hmm. and I think that they don't really have the same kind of accent as like deep South Southerners do. And like you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of different types of Southern accents. Like you're from Georgia. And Georgia's yeah. very drawly. Memphis is kind of mm-hmm. twingy. And I think that I've just taken after my mom and then also my relatives from East Tennessee. And then also I feel like I just watched a lot of TV as a kid, probably. <laughs> probably something to do with it. Um, but it's funny, whenever I'm out and about in Memphis, people are like, oh, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from here. They're like, oh, did you move here? I'm like, nope, I've lived here my whole life. And they're like, No. But then I go to New York or something. They're like, what part of the South are you from? So. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting because, like, I grew up my entire life in Southeast Georgia. And yet I don't have a Southern accent. Not at all. When I'm around my family, I do sometimes pick up, like, a little bit of a twang. You know, I drop, you know, my G's a lot. But I just never really developed one. That I think it was because I grew up next to a military base. Mm, that so, makes sense. I was surrounded, yeah, I was surrounded by all these people who had no Southern accents, but when I'm around some of my family members who have deep Southern accents, I kind of pick it up. You know, yeah, I mean, if I have more than two glasses of wine, I get progressively more Southern with time. (laughs) I will start to drawl, especially if I'm tired and or drunk, I will become much more Southern. Oh God! Yep. Yeah, it's. I don't think I go that far when when I do that, but 
I know that whenever I'm around people who have deep Southern accents, like whenever I go to Creative South or whenever I go back to Georgia, I always have to watch myself because I'll, I'll all of a sudden realize, oh crap, I just started dropping my G's again, <laughs> you know, and if, if God forbid so I say y'all. <laughs> oh, uh, I say y'all constantly. I, that is one Southern I thing I always do. That's one thing I don't do. Oh, I, I type try it out so in emails. Hard. I text people, y'all. It's, <laughs> everyone should adopt it. It's the most efficient pronoun in existence. It's amazing. I, I really focus on trying to do you all in every, even you know typing it out or what? even saying it when it comes it's so to that. So inefficient. Just say y'all. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I just do it. But enough about our our you know non southern draws. You know how did you start? in the creative world like what were you always creative or you know talk about a little bit of that I mean ever since I was a kid I was always writing drawing I would draw a lot of comics um ever since I was in elementary school art became like quote my thing and I've always been competitive ever since I was a little kid and so as soon as I started to get good at it I was like this is what I'm gonna focus on I'm gonna be the best artist period and, um, but yeah, no, I've just always really loved the fine arts and I focused a lot on oil painting and acrylics and comics as a kid. And then I got really into, <laughs> did you ever play Neopets? Yes, I did. <laughs> I remember, I remember Neopets. Okay. I got into that for a little bit. Yes. And it's interesting because like I've seen a couple of Twitter threads where a lot of designers and artists got really into Neopets and I feel like it started a lot of us doing fan art and also it's how i learned my my first uh html and css to figure out how to make really cool signatures on like the message boards and that's <laughs> honestly what got me into graphic design was doing art for neopets and doing fan art which i think is true of a lot of people that's crazy like i i always forget about neopets but i remember i think that was like one of my first introductions to really going online yes and online neopets. communities yeah yeah yeah, that's, oh God. I'm really trying to remember it too because I think I was only on Neopets for maybe a short time because there was something where you could buy stuff and I accidentally racked up some money on, on oh, one of my mom's man. cards or something. Busted. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of ruined that for me after that. I was like, okay, I better not do this anymore. Accidentally um, online gambled with my mom's money buy. <laughs> Yeah, at least I wasn't playing poker. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> she's like, "What is this Neopets?" Yeah, I, I, what's so funny is she actually turned me onto it, so it's technically her fault. <laughs> she did it. Yeah. So you went to Tennessee University for graphic design. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about your college experience? So I had done in high school. I was in AP art. I knew I wanted mm -hmm. to pursue a fine arts degree. My parents were entirely against me going to an art school i desperately wanted to go to um scad scad was my dream school <laughs> yeah who doesn't want to go to scad it was mine it was it was mine too <laughs> did they come talk at your school <laughs> it was it was everybody's school because like i grew up right near scad i yes. saw scad from the time i was a little kid all the way to when i went and applied i can't remember if i got in or not but i just knew that they offered me a scholarship but the problem was that the scholarship wouldn't even come close so to covering everything. Yeah. 
So, um, no, they came and spoke at my school and I was like, look at this beautiful mecca of artists and designers and I could do that. And then, you know, real world came crashing in and my parents were like, uh, you can go to University of Tennessee for free for a year because of scholarships and then for much cheaper after that. So do you want to pay to go to SCAD? I was like, absolutely not. So, um, that's how I ended up at University of Tennessee which actually, I actually ended up really, really liking it there. It was a great community. And I'm still friends with a lot of people I went to school with there. So I had done AP art and I knew I wanted to do fine arts in some capacity, but I was worried about being able to make a living as a fine artist. And um, so I was like, well, graphic design seems like a place I could go to use those skills, but also maybe get a job eventually. And yeah. so I just, and it's the, not a starving artist, right? Exactly. And the program there starts you out with um, big lecture style classes of like two or three hundred people, and in mm-hmm. two years they whittled us down from two hundred to twelve. And oh wow! So that was like a real intense experience, and we really, honestly, like kudos to them for trying to figure out how to even like make that happen. Like it was pretty brutal. And then so it was very structured the whole first two years, and then the two. The, once you got into the program, we had um, a big review after our junior year and a big review after our senior year. So, but once we got through that initial um, culling down to like, you know, 12 or 15 people, after that, we just became this really close knit group and we all like lived in our like studio space together, basically. And we'd be there at all hours of the night and it was really great. And I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that I learned a lot of real life business experience. Like I think literally the only job thing we did was how to design our resume. Like really, like I think that's all we did. <laughs> but like, I'm serious. But I I would say that I learned a lot about how to speak about my work and how to critique. And those were really valuable skills to learn there. And also they focused a lot on talking about the core concepts of your work and how to Mm -hmm. focus on that and the importance of having a concept at all. And I think that that's been really influential for me as a designer going forward. Yeah, I think that's something that really, it's something that, that needs to be drilled into creatives when they're younger is this idea that you have to have something to put behind what you create. You need a thesis statement. It just can't be, Yeah. yeah, you can't, you can't just say, Oh, I just feel like this is how it should be. Yeah. Or, you know, a feeling. It has to actually be a bit more. Right. When a client's like, why did you make this button look this way? You can't be like, because I thought it looked pretty. (laughs) You have to be like, because I wanted it to draw the eye and I used this color for this reason and it's going to eventually lead you here. Like you have to have justification behind your decisions and be able to communicate that. You have to have reasoning behind it. So I think that that's something that is one thing I wish that college drilled into me. Yeah. Um, I feel like I learned more of that once I got into the real world because I feel like in college you tend to think, oh, well, this is a college class. Like, you know, I don't really have to do this or, or any, you don't take it as serious. Right. And But once you are, you have a paycheck that's, you know, you're relying on, you kind of have to. Yeah. And you have to develop that very quickly. So fast. So it, it's definitely, Yeah. So let me ask you, while you were in college, did you do any freelancing or or anything like that? I had zero concept of how to freelance in college. I was doing good. Really? Yeah, no, I was doing great just to do my coursework. I would not 
say that I was a, I became a serious student, but it took a long time. Like I am at my core a slacker, which you will probably find hard to believe, but like it just working hard does not come naturally to me. I would say that I've only, and like, I've not, I would say I've only been in like what I would call an entrepreneur for the past, like maybe three years, four years. Um, and I'm 31. So like I'm late to the game and I think that's okay. I, I think that sometimes I wish that I had had more of an entrepreneurial mindset straight out of college, but there's so much other stuff Mm -hmm. I needed to learn. And like, it's in a lot of ways, it's so much better to learn those skills on someone else's dime and not learn it while you're also trying to put a roof over your head and you're being completely on Mm -hmm. your own. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I did not do any freelance in college. Well, the, the one thing to also keep in mind when it comes to, like, you know, you're never too late to get into, like, the entrepreneurial game. Right. Um, you know, Colonel Sanders sold his chicken recipe at 69 years old. Right. So it's never too late to get into it. It's never too late to find that drive or that determination. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about, you know, being 31 and just getting into that whole spirit. Because you know what? Yeah. You got another, you know, 50, 60 years ahead of you to where you can knock it out of the park. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely some entrepreneurial things I wish that I had learned the ropes on in college and gotten my feet under me sooner with that Mm -hmm. stuff. It's just, you know, like there's a lot of opportunities to monetize what you do that doesn't directly mean you doing freelance work for people. You know, you can create assets for people in creative market. Um, You can create... um, Threadless or Society6 shops that have income just coming in on a monthly basis. Like there's a a lot of groundwork you can do that doesn't require a lot of hands-on activity and the taxes are easy. So that's the kind of stuff that I wish I had gotten into sooner. Yeah, it would be something amazing if if like there were more like workshops or or things like that that were offered at at universities or colleges that went beyond... That went beyond just college work. And sorry, I'm laughing because I'm guessing your it's cat, my cat is It's covering. her tail. <laughs> Banshee, please get down. <laughs> I love the, I love my cat, but she is uh, extremely in my face at all times. I'm surprised she's not screaming right now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, yeah. So, let's talk about after college. Because, like, after college, you know, you've got, you know, young Allie who's, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, <laughs> just like her cat. Um, <laughs> screaming, just screaming constantly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what what kind of work did you do after college? Like what what happened? What happened next after you walked across that stage, got your you know diploma? What did you do then? So I got married less than a month after I graduated. So I went. Oh wow. Yeah. So I went straight from graduating to getting married, and then moved into my ha- my new house with my new husband. And uh, then I was unemployed for nine months, so I tried to figure myself out. And the, yeah, so it was a, in no way a smooth exit from the college experience. But in some ways it was good. I just, I wasn't very prepared for the job market. Like it was, I graduated in 2010. It was uh, mm-hmm. not a great time to be starting out. And um I got lucky because I had talked, actually I'd done some freelance work. I was doing, the first thing I did was since nobody was hiring, um, I started doing blog designs for people, freelance. And I did a blog design because people were into blogs at this point. There's no blogs anymore. 
But I did a blog design for this woman who was friends with um, the marketing director at the Orpheum Theater in Memphis. And that's how she got my name. And then I showed up for what I thought was an interview and it was my first day of work. And so that's, so that's how I started my first job out, out of college. And um, I was responsible for all the in-house design for this theater, which meant I did all the ads, all the playbills, all of the e-blasts that were sent out to 30,000 people. And it was just getting a fat stack of responsibility dropped in my lap and was just like, oh, like nobody was paying attention to what I was doing. They're just like, do a good job, we hope. Go on. And um, So you had creative freedom then? I did a little bit. I made a lot of projects for myself there, which I would recommend to anyone that gets dropped into a job, their first job out of college. If you don't feel like you're getting enough opportunity to do the type of work you want to do, you have to make those opportunities for yourself. Mm-hmm. So we had a uh, summer movie series that they do every summer and they play a bunch of cool movies and they're um, now they have a black box theater attached to the main theater. So it's this really cool old uh, theater and it's beautiful and antique and there's lots of gold leaf and big red velvet drapes and it's so pretty. And they used to do a um, summer movie series in the big old theater and it was really cool. But um, so they would play like classic movies like Grease and Big Lebowski and um, Jaws and a bunch of really cool stuff. But so I took that opportunity to make a series of posters for the summer movie series for each individual movie. And nobody asked me to do that. I just wanted to do it. And then I entered it in the local Addies and I won a gold Addy the first year I ever entered. Oh, congrats. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> so it was all downhill from there, but, um, <laughs> no, but, um, so I just feel like that's a good example of like, you know, no one was like, Hey, we want this to happen. I was like, will you let me do this? And they're like, sure. No one's stopping you. So I did it. I will say this, like that is, Oh, to be able to design posters that would be, you know, actually up in a theater, yeah. you know, for a movie series, honestly, that would be a dream for me. Oh yeah. Super I'm a fun. huge movie buff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge movie buff. And so like, I've always wanted to be able to like do that. Of course, now it's like, uh, it doesn't make sense monetarily for me to do it, but it's it sounds so much fun. So I am jealous of that thing. Hey, you can still do movie posters and just sell prints. No one's stopping you. That's true. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually really want to do a series of horror movie posters. Ooh. I know, right? It'd be really fun. That would be, ooh, yeah. I think that'd be really fun. I know. Especially with all the, the stuff that, this your style and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can see that being very fun. Yeah. And I can see that being your next product, yes, too. Yes, as soon as I have time, one of these days. But yeah, so that was me at the Orpheum Theater, and that was my first job out of college. And it was also great because I had to do just the sheer amount of work I had to do forced me to learn how to use the programs fast and get efficient. And that's mm-hmm. another thing. Like, when you get out of school, you're used to having two weeks to make a logo, and then you get into your first full-time job and they're like, you needed to be finished with this two hours ago. What are you doing? And yeah, yeah so it's, it's, I just remember being so tired all the time. My first like six months of being in a full-time job, I was like, oh, I don't get to like go home. Like I'm not on a class schedule. I'm just here forever. <laughs> when do I get to leave? Maybe I was lucky because I, I was I was just so full of adrenaline. I was like the first six months. I, I just like, I don't even remember it. I remember slamming you know, waking up. <laughs> yeah, actually, I haven't had caffeine in almost 10 years. But, yeah. 
No, I, I remember waking up at like 6 a.m., driving two hours to the job the first few months I worked there, and then working super hard, then driving another two hours back home. But I remember just being full of adrenaline. And then it wasn't until after that first six months or year that I finally was just like, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> this is so intense. No, but I, I definitely understand what you mean. So one thing I've noticed from like your, your LinkedIn page and, and elsewhere is that you really dabble in a range of different creative spheres. Your main bread and butter uh, that I've seen on multiple uh, sites is you know, branding and web design, but you also do copywriting, lettering, print design, photography, and more. Um, personally, I found, found you, though, through your illustration work, which is spectacular. Okay, oh, hey, thanks. You know, if, if anyone is listening to this and you guys haven't uh, Googled Allie yet, definitely go check check her out, especially your Instagram account, because her illustrations are amazing. Um, that means a lot coming uh, from you. <laughs> oh, thank you. But I, I have a question for you. You know, would you consider yourself, even though you dabble in, in all that stuff, would you consider yourself an illustrator? Or I know earlier we talked and you said designer, but... What do you what do you prefer overall? Well, you know, I didn't go to school for illustration. I never learned much about. I never learned a like. You know, I learned the basics of illustration and contrast and composition and everything that you learn in design and in fine arts. But I never learned it through the lens of like editorial illustration. Um, I never even considered being a full time illustrator. That was never something. Mm-hmm. that I thought was even a possibility. Um, I always saw illustration and I learned and I developed my style in illustration slowly over time just because I wanted illustrated elements in these branding projects I was doing and in these web projects I was mm-hmm. doing. And I was at a small agency and there, there was no money for me to art direct and hire somebody to do it. So I was doing all of it. And that's really why I ended up dabbling in a lot of different spheres is because there was no one else to do it. And in some ways it's great because, you know, I've gotten to sharpen a lot of skills, but, you know, there's also the uh, jack of all trades, master of none thing about it. So I would say at this point, I'm trying to limit myself to focusing on web design, branding design and illustration, which is three huge spheres of things to do anyway. But I say that like, no, it's just like three things. But um, I remember one time I read this article about how creativity is like a hand and your fingers are the different ways you use your creativity. And the palm is like creativity itself. So like drawing, photography, writing, I always, I consider all of those related to the same thing, which is my creativity. So mm-hmm. I might learn different skill sets, but ultimately I feel like they all come from the same place. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I definitely agree. Like I've always considered myself a jack of all trades. My first job out of college was as a branding designer. After that, I worked as a UI UX designer. And now I work doing predominantly illustration and branding work. And so I've, I've learned over the years all these different skill sets and I find myself knowing which one now, like branding and illustration, that's the spheres that I want to work in, mm-hmm. or the ones that I prefer to work in. Because all the power to you for doing web design, that stuff, it drained me I love so it. much. It oh. hurts my brain in the best way possible. 
I was more of a, a marketing site person over product design. Mm-hmm. I, I could not stand working on product. I just uh, find it so interesting. What do you pages. not like about it? Um, I The thing for me is that when it comes to working on projects, I don't like working on the same thing for a long yes, period of time. same. And so with marketing pages, usually like you're done in anywhere from a couple of weeks to maybe a couple of months. But with product, you're sometimes you're working on those, especially if you're in-house, for years. Yeah, can't do it. That's I think that's why I've always been at small agencies. I just really enjoy bouncing from project to project and learning more about new industries. And I like having clients long term, but I do not like working on the same project for more than six months or really just six months. That's that's my cutoff yeah. point. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> Ship it. Yeah, I feel like my cutoff point, yeah, my cutoff point now is probably like three months. Mm-hmm. I, oh, God. If it goes beyond three months, I'm just like, we need to end this. We need to hurry up. <laughs> but I love, I love having clients I work with over the course of years. Mm-hmm. But we need something different each time. It can't be the same thing over and over Developing again. the relationship is great. And then you've got that mutual trust. And you're all you're on the same page, and you know each other's quirks and your communication styles. So that part of it's great. But uh, yeah, working on the same, I'm, I'm, I don't even like working on the same project for over a week without bouncing to something else. Oh yeah, I'm I'm always bouncing between things. I I always have. Usually, it's rare. I just have one project on my plate. Sometimes I have as much as five or six projects at once. That's the life of a you know full time freelancer. And so it's like. That's as long as I've got that, I'm good. But if I'm working on one project for three, four, five, six months, oh, that, that's stressful. <laughs> I, I even just like sitting here thinking about that. I'm like, <laughs> this oh, makes me tired. bad memories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and I, it's it's really gratifying to see long term projects come to fruition and get launched. But mm-hmm. for me, yeah, I just and I don't, you know, I will work on. A web design pro- like this week I'm working on a web design project and a bunch of print projects at the same time and I love just bouncing back and forth between those two totally different spheres of type of work I do yeah I'm currently working on two branding projects and I'm about to start a third one um that's this too many week. branding projects and... at once for me I couldn't do that <laughs> <laughs> well there and the craziest part is, is is one of them is a self-initiated branding project that's not even paid work it was it more beer labels um yeah it's the it's the beer. brewery branding that i've been working yeah. on yeah and then the other one is my personal branding which i just announced today that i'm officially going to be switching to a studio mentality cool um, that's awesome yeah blue cyclops design company nice love it um really excited about that and then the next one is i'm going to be helping a friend of mine who's a copywriter who I can't mention her name because uh, she's preparing to leave her company, and I don't know if when this releases if she'll have left. <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna be doing her her branding for her her new shop that she's gonna be um, putting out. So that's awesome. Those, it's like it's gonna be all very fun. <laughs> yeah, it's you know the most stressful one is probably the personal branding, and I don't know if you found this that when you work on stuff on for yourself, mm. that it's always the hardest. Honestly, I think to work that's. On a big part of the reason why I'm doing pretty useful and not treating myself as a branding entity, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me, I've always had my Cyclops guy, Mm -hmm. you know, as my avatar, but the biggest uh, problem is, is I've never had an actual design system Mm -hmm. around it. Yep. So, but I, but we digress. We digress. People don't want to just hear us talking about these things. (laughs) 
Yeah. So currently you work full-time at an agency in Memphis called, is it Paradigm, yep, right? it's Paradigm. Paradigm. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the company and, and what you do there? Yeah, we're a small agency. Um, we do a big range of pro- uh, projects. We do video, web, branding. I would say that we specialize in small business branding, which is what I like to work hmm. on best, really. Um, do a lot of collateral, do kind of what you would expect a small agency to do. And uh, we currently have, how many people do we have? Hold on, I'm going to count. One, two, <laughs> me. We have somewhere between between 10 and 12 people. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we're, I don't, does that count as small or mid, what's like a mid-size agency That's still these small. Days? That's small. That's still yeah. small, yeah. Under 30 people Usually, small, I feel like. Yeah, I think like anything between one to maybe 16 mm-hmm. is small. Yeah. But when you get to like 30 to 50, that's like medium. And beyond that's large. And then you get to the crazy massive right. conglomerate, you know, companies and everything like that. Um, but no, I think that's actually a perfect size. I agree. You can do anything with that amount of people. Oh, yeah. Especially when everybody has different skill sets. Yeah. And if I if I remember correctly, you're... Your position there is creative director, is that right? No, I am senior art director. Senior art director. All these titles confuse the heck out of me, so. (laughs) (laughs) I do the same work regardless. It's fine. (laughs) So being that role, right, it's kind of like a a manager type role, if I'm making assumptions correctly. I would say less so. At the previous agency I was at, I had the same title and a lot more manager role. Really? Than I do at this current one, yeah. Because mostly because and you're very lucky. Yeah. Well, mostly it, and honestly, I really do like managing people, and I didn't think I liked it when I was forced into it. But now mm-hmm. that I'm in a position where I don't do it as much, I do miss it a little bit. I miss mentoring people, but I still do it on the side anyway. But it's way less need because there's only three designers on the staff, and we're all very capable. So nobody really needs to be mentored excessively. So because of that, do you then the, the yeah. sorry got a little tongue tied there? I'm actually gonna keep that in too because I, I actually don't mind that that stuff in there. Um, because there's only three other you know designers on the team, then you probably get to really stretch your creativity you know often. Oh yeah, on right? like any project I'm working on, I'm doing pretty much everything, and that's true for all of us. I would say that you know there's. Like, we'll divvy up projects sometimes, but for the most part, when you get a project, like, you're like if I get a brand, I'm doing the brand, I'm doing the collateral, I'm doing the website, um, I'm helping with the copywriting. So it's really nice to be able to have your hands in every aspect of what you're doing. That's really great. It's I see too many times where when people are, are in that senior role, where they stop, you know, getting their hands dirty, they stop, you know, really trying to you know, create, or they just delegate, delegate, delegate. I'm terrible at delegating. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing that makes me nervous about start, starting a, or moving into being a studio is have is finding people that I can delegate to, that I can trust, mm-hmm. and that I'm like, oh, it's going to be it's gonna be a pain. But, yeah, I think that it's great that – don't laugh at me. <laughs> it's um, a pain, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's great though that you get to stretch your creativity. Yes. And you know, and you do that more than just, you know, at work because you have other side hustles mm-hmm. that you do. Yep. And, and you know, you know what? <laughs> it's it's funny that you say it's hard to find people because literally 
finding someone to delegate to is how I met Claire at my previous job, who I now do pretty useful with on the side. So we're at two different agencies now. But um, when we stopped working, to, when we both left the other agency I was at, we didn't want to stop working together. So that's how Pretty Useful even came into being. And see, that's great. And that and that's actually was going to be my next my next part. <laughs> you kind of beat me to the punch there. Um, you know that you have this side hustle. You have this side hustle called Pretty Useful Co. Mm -hmm. Can you talk? Can you go into a little bit more detail uh, about that? Yeah. So. We make clever goods for fun people. This is the tagline we have settled on. And so we make uh, prints and uh, wearables, enamel pins, stickers. Um, we make the pin keeper. We make uh, felt banners with Oxford pennant. And uh, we just make a lot of products that bring us joy and bring joy to others. And I'm really curious how did you you and your partner come up with the name of it? We do have an origin story. We have one. So, Ooh, yes, okay. we do have one. So, um, Claire and I went to a workshop that Creative Works in Memphis put on. Have you been to Creative Works yet? I've only been to the small one in Seattle, which is where, where yes. we met. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been to the, the main one yet. The problem is that every year, and I've actually talked to Josh Horton, who puts it on, yeah. It's right around my birthday. No. We can celebrate your yeah, birthday in Memphis. And, uh, <laughs> we can yeah, go to Gus's like, and get fried me, chicken. <laughs> for me, I just like, I like to be super lazy. I don't even work on my birthday. I just usually well, good, sit around shouldn't. and watch Netflix. Yeah. And so that's why I'm like, I never like to travel around that time because of that. So that's the only reason why I have not made you it You should out. come. It's really fun. Yeah, maybe maybe this year I might try and make it out, or either this year or next year. It's actually going to be going on a little bit before my birthday, but um, no. Continue about your story, though. Okay, so we were um, we had just gone to a workshop put on by um, Tyler Deep, who does miscellaneous goods, and uh, he had talked a lot about his company and what drove him to create his company. And we had talked about wanting to do something together. We didn't have anything concrete. And we had been throwing around the name uh, Idlewild Industries just because we thought it sounded cool. And it's funny because now that's a legitimate brand out of um, uh, England. And it's they make like lots of really cool stuff. So I'm really glad that we didn't pick that one. Um, <laughs> but so we were sitting and just like hanging out after this workshop. And Claire had been doing a line of stationery. And she had been calling it Beautiful Useful Things. And we both really like the concept of things being not just pretty to look at and lovely and well-crafted, but also have a utility. So that's something that we both really like a lot. And we were like trying to figure out how to capture that, the idea of what she was putting out there in a way that was a little bit more clever and a little bit shorter. I literally said, why don't we just it's a beautiful, useful thing. Just call it pretty useful. And she was like, dang it, I like that. All right, fine. We'll do that instead. So that's how we came up with the name. <laughs> it's always interesting, too, because it's like you'll you'll have these moments where you'll be talking about, you know, a name and trying to figure out a name and everything. And it just it just comes to you, right? It's yeah. like this, like, moment of eureka yep. and everything. And I think that's a really cool origin story, too, because it's like you just you guys just decided that you guys wanted to Claire's do. very good at providing 
deep feelings and emotions and raw material that she feels strongly about. And then I run it through my glib marketing brain. And that is the strength of both of us combined. <laughs> and I think I would think it was it was actually flipped because I feel like you would be more of like the creative idea thinker and then she would be the marketing brain. No, I would no. The, okay, so we're both I would say we're only allowed to have two brainstorming sessions a year because Oh wow. Yes, because if we have more than that, we will come up with more ideas than we can reasonably execute in a year. So, we already have tons of stuff on the back burner that we haven't even touched because we don't have time to execute it. But between the two of us, we go down rabbit holes all day. We come up with so many ideas. Ide- ideation is not a problem with our powers combined. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I, I try to keep uh, a catalog of all the ideas that I have in a spreadsheet just in case I ever am like, hmm, I want to create something today. Let's see, this idea, that idea, no, that one. So I, I try have, to do that too. I have a notes um, just a notes file on my iPhone that just has all my random thoughts in it. And there's some really weird ones in there, but some of them are really good. I keep track of things in so many different places, whether it's notes or my uh, sketchbook, or even now I, I have a field note in front of me where I just like take random notes and everything like that. Um, but I'm curious, like this is something, you know, and I think we talked about this because this was actually the second attempt to do this podcast because last week we were going to do it and then uh, we couldn't, we didn't have the right tools for it. I didn't have the right tools. (laughs) (laughs) I won't let you take responsibility for this. (laughs) (laughs) But the the one thing that we talked about after, uh, before we, uh, we ended our call last time was about this whole idea of like creating a brand, like pretty useful and like starting like, um, Kind of like a merch brand, mm-hmm. or, or what would you guys call it? I'm curious. I would call it a small goods brand. A small. I actually really like that. I'm yeah. that down right mm-hmm. here. Small goods brand. So I'm curious for you know our listeners and for me because I really am interested in this uh, this topic. What kind of advice would you have for someone who's looking to to start you know a brand like this? I would say be ready for it to not be profitable for a good stretch of time. You're going to have to put your own money in to start with, and it'll take a while for you to make that money back. Um, I would say the better your ideas are, the less you have to work on the marketing. I would say only in this past six months, we've actually started to try to market ourselves. Before that, we would just create a product and it would go viral. And that was our only marketing strategy, which is not a long-term marketing strategy. (laughs) It's not a long-term marketing strategy, but it's pretty dang amazing that it kept going viral every single time. So we've had, I would say we've had probably three main ones that have caught on really fast on the internet. And it's, it's just, it's like trying to catch lightning in a bottle. You can't bank on going viral. Um, But what you can do is connect with people and make connections and share really good ideas and hope that it catches on. But I would say it is important to have a marketing plan in mind and not treat it as an afterthought like we have. I think we've gotten lucky. Um, But yeah, I would say the main thing is that you should not expect to make a profit for a while. It takes time to grow an audience. It takes time to figure out your production times. It takes time to find wholesalers. It's it's a long process. Yeah, it's like I've... 
there's been so many times where I've wanted to start a merch shop and I have so many people that keep reaching out to me and they're like, hey, you should have pins, you should have t-shirts, you should have prints, you should have all these things. And the problem is, is just having the time yeah. to be able to not only create the things, but also to be able to find those distributors, to figure out the marketing plan, to do all those things. And it's very difficult, especially when you you know run your own business mm-hmm. and everything. But I think it's something that in our community, in the creative community at large, has been something that keeps growing. And every time you go to a creative conference, you see more and more new tables with new faces and new brands that are selling things. And it really, it's amazing to see it. And to especially see, you know, I I think every single time I go to a conference, I set set aside a budget just for Mm -hmm. all the merchandise, all the swag, all the different things. I've got uh, sometime I should I should send you a video of the drawers back behind me that are just, <laughs> just filled stuff. with stuff filled with stuff I have I am a shopaholic <laughs> yeah I'm not allowed to buy any more uh, art prints because I have a stack of I think 30 somewhere around there so yeah <laughs> my wife banned me from from buying uh, buying prints unless I send a picture of it to her mm-hmm. and get her permission I feel like that's fair it's a shared space i don't usually send my husband pictures but his rule is that i have to have a place in mind to hang it he has to be like where are you gonna hang it where specifically are you going to hang it and i'm usually there's many times i get away (laughs) i get away with saying oh i bought you know this these two hundred dollars worth of pins for giveaways in the future on instagram and sit in a drawer and what I, i literally have to do is i have to empty out all the merch that I bought in front of my wife and she gets first pick. I Again, I think that's fair. When you share a space with yeah. someone, they have some say. I'm sorry, <laughs> they just do. I feel like all designers are essentially hoarders also. I've been to enough offices and agencies that most designers are hoarders. Their offices all look the yeah. same. They're covered in enferma. They have Drawers and yeah, they have drawers. Look at mine. You like you have drawers and drawers. I, I'm literally just looking around my studio right now We're, because that's and you don't even see part. You only see part of my studio. Yeah. You know, there's a whole shelves up here. There's stacks mm-hmm. and stacks of books over there. It's it's everywhere. It's I think that designers are Marie Kondo's worst nightmare. We are just hoarders and we love our things. <laughs> And we like to have boxes of stuff that makes us happy. Mm-hmm. So we're just we like physical objects. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's something where it's and sometimes I have to explain it to my wife. I'm like, yeah, it, it's like it, it's an impulse. It, it really is. You know, what they should do is instead of having at like Walmart or Target or something like that impulses for like candy or chips, they should have impulses for stickers mm. and patches and pins. And yes. That this is probably going to give someone at Target an idea. Um, <laughs> just like just remember that you heard it first yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> just tell Riley Carroll he works there. He'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just curious, and and this is this could be totally boring for some people. Where do you guys get your like your your pins and your pennants and and things like that? No, I love to talk about this because we use a network of other small businesses to make our small business work. Oh, and, that's perfect. Yeah, which is what what I like to do. So. Um, Claire and I both feel strongly about that and we like to use small businesses that believe in their craft the same way we do. You know, when we first started, Claire was letter pressing the backs of every single pin because she had a, she has a little letter press that she loves very much and that became unsustainable 
almost immediately. And yeah, so um, Mama Sauce now does our specialty printing. They're out of Orlando. Uh, When we first started, we were making all the pin keepers by hand. We were um, were getting the uh, denim screen printed by someone else, but then we were ironing them and then uh, assembling them with wood and nailing them together and screwing them together by hand. And that was also unsustainable almost immediately. (laughs) And so now Oxford Pennant makes our banners and our pin keepers. And uh, the pin department out of L.A., who is run by, that's run by uh, Jessica, is an amazing human being. I love her very much. Hi, Jessica. Um, (laughs) She works with a factory and gets all of our enamel pins made and assembled and quality checked for us. So each thing that we've realized we can't manage on our own sustainably, we've outsourced to another small business. That's really that's really cool. I, I think that that it really speaks to what you guys are doing, and it really speaks to this like it, it's kind of like community, yeah. You know, where it's like you're not going to these major manufacturers who they're like, oh, you're just one sale. You know, let me just like check a box here and that's it. Yeah. So I really think that's that's a really great. Yeah, job. and like we use French paper for our pin backers and our prints. Yep. It's just you know there's just this group of vendors and makers that we've met through creative events, and we just really admire the care that they take with what they do and the way that it complements the care we take and what we do. Yeah, and I think that because like when I had my my biggest side project, which was Slaptastic. Mm-hmm. You know, I used French paper for the first uh, the first packaging that I created, and I also used Mama Sauce. Mm-hmm. So I used both of them uh, for for that. And I also know, trust me, I know all too well how things can get very unsustainable very quickly. Oh yeah, our pinbackers are so unsustainable. We'll have to revisit it at some point, probably. <laughs> wait, wait till you feel this pain. Yeah. This pain is very like your your fingers are going to ache from this. I actually hand wrote every address for the first six months. Rocky, that's no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, we're talking over three hundred and fifty envelopes every single month. Label printer, Claire's best friend. Yeah. Get a label printer. It's yep. very important. <laughs> it was. It was so. I, I eventually I switched it up and I I did some sort of hack job uh, printing directly onto label sheets from Illustrator. Mm-hmm. But I had to go through and actually fix every single one, and I had to go through and check every single address nope. to make sure that they were still members. No nope, hard pass. But it did save so much more time <laughs> than spending six hours uh, just writing addresses yeah. out. Oh my gosh! Oh, let's <sighs> get a label printer, people. Just do it. <laughs> Love yourself. Get a label printer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and if you have to close up envelopes, make sure you get the the special like envelope moisture strips or whatever (laughs) yeah oh my god we we couldn't even talk i know we we couldn't even talk it's like or or uh french paper needs to include just like adhesive strips where you just like peel and then close that would also be good we should tell them that so how much did it cost you and your business partner to start your business and you don't have to answer this at all you can Totally say, you know, Rocky, no, this is a, this is no, you know, not a good topic. I really think that everyone should be way more upfront and way more transparent about money. I feel like it's the mm-hmm. last thing that we as creatives are really bad at talking about. And I think it's really, really essential. It's something that it's for some reason instilled in us that it's like not okay to talk about, but it's so important. And 
not talking about it is how people get it taken advantage of. We should all be very transparent yeah. and upfront. If anyone asks me how much I charge for anything, I will tell them. Um, yeah. But no, we each put in $1,500 to start, and that got us our first, let's see, what do we have? So our first deadline for when we launched Pretty Useful was at Creative Works 2016. We had a uh, six-foot table, and we're like, what are we going to put on this table? And we got one 16 by 20 print, I think a series of five eight by eight prints, the first run of pin keepers, and three pins. And I think that we probably spent, I don't know, we probably spent about $2,000 getting all that made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we probably spent the other $1,000 just like setting up, setting up random like business expenses and getting our LLC and all that kind of stuff. And, um, which you do need to take into account. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. But I would, yeah, I would say like, if you're going to start a small goods business, you probably need about $3,000. And that sounds about right. I I think for me, when I started Slaptastic, I was able to raise, I did a Kickstarter and I was able to raise, I think like $7,000 from it. And very quickly that $7,000 disappeared with everything that you have to do and i made the mistake of attempting to trademark a bunch of things and it just i think one thing got trademarked i have never trademarked anything and i i mean i know sometimes it's important and there are some things you should look at trademarking but for me i've just never found it worth pursuing the way that I understand it, and by no means I am nowhere near a copyright lawyer or trademark lawyer or anything like that. Tiny text scrolls across the screen. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, literally. But if I remember correctly, someone once told me, and this could be completely wrong, so please, please people, definitely check in on this if you guys are going to attempt this. But from what I understand is, as long as you put in paperwork for it to be either either you put in paperwork for it to be trademarked or you literally just put the TM mm-hmm. on a logo, technically it is a little bit protected. Yeah. You have some rights just by putting work into the universe that it is yours, whether or not you've mm-hmm. registered it as a trademark, um, as long as you have proof that you did put it out there first. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I'm I'm only just now starting to look into registering copyrights for pretty useful and because we've there's somebody else out there that has started using a name just similar enough that's starting to mess with our Google results, so it's, oh, the no. time is now. It's <laughs> fine. But like that's that's the way the world works. And you know, I don't for some people, if you have something valuable enough that you know it needs to be protected, you should look into it sooner, but for a lot of people with small businesses, you should, like, most small businesses cease to exist within the first two years of operations. So if you're just starting out, I think that beyond buying a domain and securing your social media, like, unless you're going to dump, you know, $30,000 into it, I just think that that's something you can revisit later. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it kind of goes back to that uh, where someone, um, you know, copies something you do. Or they make something that looks so much similar to your stuff, and it's not necessarily a product, but it's actually like, uh, for instance, I have, actually, it's funny, because right today, someone reached out, and they were like, hey, your branding looks so much like uh, da-da-da's branding. And I go and look it up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've had like a dozen people reach out to me about them in the past, 
And I was like, oh, you know, it's trust me, like this, what you're seeing right here, I've had this, you know, blue Cyclops guy for, I don't know, three, five years, something like that. And they came out about two or three years ago with a blue Cyclops. I don't care. They don't affect me at, at all. It doesn't bother me. And the only time that I ever really get affected is when it's something like something I'm selling as a product. Mm -hmm. So like a print or maybe even a pin or a t-shirt, something like that. That I can definitely understand because those are things you're still making money off of. Right. And when someone else steals that, they're taking that money out of your pocket right. and they're putting it to theirs. I've been ripped off. I've both been ripped off and been accused of ripping other people off so many yeah. times in my career. And it's it's hard and it's muddy sometimes because sometimes people do really just come up with ideas at the same time. And I remember like, a specific example is we did our uh, UFO pizza slider enamel pen where the pizza goes up in the UFO. At the exact same time, this other pin company made a UFO where a little person goes up in the UFO with the same sliding mechanism. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, no, they ripped us off. But we literally launched it within a week of each other. And there was no way. Oh, wow. There was no way that either of us could have seen the other's work because obviously we'd send it into production months earlier. And yeah. so, you know, just it happens sometimes. And, you know, like if I notice someone consistently ripping us off or ripping me off, I will block them. I'll like go get mm -hmm. your ideas elsewhere. But. Generally, it's just not, it's not worth my time. They're never going, like, unless they somehow, unless, unless it's a big company that directly steals my work, I'm usually going to leave it alone, which I hope no one takes yeah. as an invitation to rip me off because I will yell at you <laughs> on the internet. I'm just saying I might not, like, get a lawyer after you, but. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I have two points there. One, I've only gone after one person and I, fe I feel bad at this day about it, but they, it was someone who blatantly ripped off almost my entire portfolio. God, why does that happen so often now? I, I know. And what was worse is he was a graduate student at a very well-known university. Mm. I'm not going to say which one, but it was on the East, East Coast. And someone had someone had reached out to me like, hey, Rocky, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in this master's class with this student. I've been following your work for years. I think they might have taken some of your work. And I, and I looked at the link. And it literally was a copy of everything. Ugh. Now, it wasn't just like copied and pasted it in. They recreated every single thing horribly. Oh, God. And first I reached out to them and I gave, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this person 24 hours to take down their website. The person, you know, responded back, hey, I created all these things. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, I literally sent him comparisons <laughs> between the two. And finally, it got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to contact, you know, the head of, of the design department at their university. And I, the only thing I know of, because they did respond to me, they told me that that student was no longer in their master's program. Yikes. They took it very seriously. And As they should. that they apologized. Yeah. And they, apo they apologized to me because, you know, they saw the comparison. They saw the other work and everything like that. And they felt bad. And I still, to this day, I do feel bad because, you know, this student basically just got kicked out of school for plagiarism. And I'm like, that's going to be, that's going to follow him for the rest of his life. I mean, better in but, school than later. Yeah. You know, and so, but at least, you know, 
he shouldn't have done that. Yeah. He shouldn't have done it that way. Or if he reached out to him, he could have been like done some soul searching and be like, yeah, he's right. And then just. Yeah. He could have, he could have been straight up and said, you know, yes, I did. I apologize. I'll take it down. Instead, he tried to say he didn't at all. Um, And then I also want to touch on, you know, you mentioned that, you know, people create things, you know, at the exact same time, just like you and that, that other company. You know, they, that happens all over yeah. in many different fashions. We're all looking at the same stuff and we're all being influenced by the same things. It makes sense that stuff like that will happen. I think a good rule of thumb is, and you know, too, like since we're now with social media, I think that there is a tendency for us all to look for inspiration in the same areas. And I think a good rule of thumb is if you're looking at your work and you're like, does this look too much like something someone else has done just imagine showing mm-hmm. the original author would it bum them out if so you need to rework it yeah yeah and even in this also transcends to other industries too yeah if you think about movies movies are a perfect example of this and the best i, I hate that this is the best example that pops up in my head because i know there's other ones but i just can't think of it but it was uh the Friends with Benefits movie, <laughs> yes. and the other one. What's the other one? No there was one that attached. came out. The, <laughs> yes, they both came out yes. literally within a, like less than a month of each other. Yep, it happens you know? all the time. Impre- yeah, it happens all the time. So there's always there is sometimes always a coincidence. You know, who knows? Maybe that wasn't too much of a coincidence because there might have been some spying going on or something. But you know. We like to think good about people, so yeah. there are always, like, these chances of coincidence. It's true. I th- I think give people the benefit of the doubt, but also don't let people walk all over you. Yeah. So, one of my favorite posts that I've I've seen on, I don't know if it was your account or if it was the, the Pretty Useful account on Instagram, was the Pretty Useful Project General. Yes, I love this idea. <laughs> yeah i oh my god when i saw that i was like yes this is perfect i've been sharing it it literally i have a asset library uh-huh. where i just save posts articles videos yours your post is saved in there and i've already shared it with half a dozen people Yay. Um, but <laughs> for those for those out there who are just listening have no idea what this is can you explain it a little bit deeper yeah so it's actually a so claire and i hosted a workshop at Croc Cons in Baton Rouge in April. And so it was just like, you're doing a workshop, not a talk. So I was like, how do we take our ideas and make it into something interactive? And one of the things mm-hmm. we talked, the theme of the talk was burn steady. So talking about managing your time, managing what you say yes to, and creating projects and ideas and following through on them, but keeping it sustainable, not burning yourself out. Don't burn the candle at both ends, basically. Um, so one of the activities we came up with was the project generator. And so what we do is you list, you'd say, I want to blank skill a blank product about blank interest to blank goal by blank deadline. So you write down five skills, five products, five interests, and five goals, and then you pick those at random in order to create a prompt with a deadline that will force you to actually follow through on your project idea. So the idea is to, your interests are your superpower. Take the things that you're already Mm -hmm. interested in, already motivated by, create a project that develops a skill that you want to develop further, 
and create a deadline in order to actually motivate your, yourself to finish the project and actually achieve a goal. Yeah, I, I just, I love it. Yeah. I love how, for one, I love how simple it yeah, is. Yeah, it's so simple. It's dead simple. <laughs> yeah, it's, the one thing I've tried to do is I've tried to, to explain to people how they can put together, you know, a project easily. And you guys create, all of a sudden I just see that right after, I think it was right after the Creative Works, you know, one day event mm-hmm. in Seattle. I see that and I'm like, oh my God, this is perfect. <laughs> this is exactly what yeah. I've been trying to do all this time. We're working on making a website that will actually generate them for you. So we have a huge bank of each of those Ooh. things. Right, yes. So that's that's the next step is to make something people can actually use and actually suggest things for us to put in there. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's really hard cool. to come up with passion projects that actually feel motivated to finish. The one that we've generated last with it was the uh, Bachelorette or the Bachelor... Um, tarot deck and so, so our interest was the bachelor and we decided to create a tarot deck as the product and we're trying to finish it by the end of the bachelorette season in july which is going to be rough because we're both behind right now but it's <laughs> you know it's just it's a good way to encourage yourself to develop a skill and continually mm-hmm. pushing new work out there posting new work even though it may not be exactly where you want it to be but just you got to finish it yeah, and to also follow through yes. because the biggest problem with yeah the biggest problem with side projects is you don't always follow through with them. I I recently I forget who it was I think it was Ben Burns of uh, the Future slash Blind. He put out a post on Twitter and he was like, "Are you a starter or a finisher?" Oh, I'm a hundred percent a starter. <laughs> yeah, I I literally said to him, "I'm like I feel like most people are a hundred percent starters." And then I told him I am a 40% finisher. Mm-hmm. So I will start so many different things, yeah. but only finish about 40% of them. Yep. And I think that that's one thing that this helps with is it helps to push you to, you know, increase that finishing goal. Um, and like I said, I'm guilty of it. Everybody's guilty of it. You know, every there's not a single person who will finish every single thing that they start on. Even I think... What's a good example? I think even Steve Jobs wasn't always a finisher. He yeah. would start with so many different ideas and only finish a few of them. Right. So, uh, so wait, I, I have one question with that tarot deck. It's actually it was something I put into my notes uh-huh. and I was going to ask, but now I was like, ah, oh, now we'll we'll wait. I'll ask her that later. So, is it actually going to become a deck? That's the goal. We are working towards that, and I don't know. What exact form it will take, probably we'll end up doing a Kickstarter, which we've never done a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Never raised money for Pretty Useful. Never in my life. But I if you have any questions, please please feel free to to reach out because I did do a Kickstarter and I did some bad things with the Kickstarter. I did some good things it's got with the Kickstarter. Some pitfalls. So. I mean, like my my brother did a Kickstarter to fund his graphic novel. So he I've saw firsthand how hard fulfillment is. And making the videos kind of rough, and it's yep. just a lot of work. With not necess- you're not necessarily going to get funded either. So I think that's partly why I've avoided doing it. But I have friends that have done it successfully, and it's been really good for them. So I feel like you will have no problem because <laughs> of just the quality of your work, the things that you're putting out on social media. You already have a good following. I think you'll you'll do fine. Well, thanks. I appreciate that vote of confidence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Hey, I. Listen, I'm one of those people that's I'm very straightforward with with friends and everything. And even though we just we just met back, I think what May, right? Yeah, was when we. Although when I feel we like met. we've known each other was... via the internet for quite a while. Yeah, at this we've point. chatted. 
We, we've definitely checked because I recognized your avatar yeah. as soon as I, I pulled you up uh, when we first met in person. But, you know, I'll tell you if I think that's not going to work out. And Thanks. I think this will, I this will work out. Um, I love brutal honesty. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got three three last little bits here. And then I'll, I'll let you go because it's like, oh, God, it's like 10.52 your time. I don't go to sleep until midnight. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I am a night owl um, all the time. Yeah. So for those uh, for those who are you know wanting to break into the magical world of design and illustration, what kind of advice do you have for them? I would say the main thing is to create opportunities for yourself. Don't wait for other people to give you opportunities. I would say make, and I think people say this a lot, but make make and post and share the type of work you want to be doing because that's the only way you're going to get any real opportunity to do that work for money. Um, Yeah. I would say avoid doing work for free. Don't do spec work, do fan art, do art that's motivated by yourself about things you're excited about. Don't let people take advantage of you just because you're a new designer. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I think it's good, especially like, I, I like to say work for yourself. Yes. You know, create work for yourself. You're the client. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time that I ever condone doing, you know, spec work is if it's for like a worthy cause that you're right. behind or if it's for something that you're really gun ho about or if it's some sort of like trade of service. Yeah. You know, where you're getting something, you know, hopefully equally as important back. That was actually something else we talked about in our burn steady talk was you it's kind of like you know the good fast cheap pick two but it's money time passion you must pick two if there's no money you must have the available time and passion for the project and vice versa if you're not passionate about it it better pay well and you better have time to do it (laughs) i love that yep it's like a three-legged stool (laughs) and if one's short you just fall over yeah that is very true um, sorry, my wife was just texting me. She just got out, out of class. Whew, okay. <laughs> We're almost there. Sorry, I have two, two, two last questions. Okay. So is there anything new that you're currently working on? I know you mentioned the, the tarot card deck, but is there anything that you want to like give a shout out to? Maybe something that just went live or that you're currently working on besides that? We have two new pen products that are about to drop that I'm super excited Ooh. about. One of there we're doing a new um, line of products that are pen pal pen sets and they're on a backer that's perforated. You can tear it in half and give half to a friend or keep both for yourself. I love it's so that. cute. I love it so much. But so we're about to launch we have a heads or tails corgi, a corgi head and a corgi butt. And oh I know, and the other one, oh man, I don't, I, I do want to spoil it, but I don't. But so you, well, when does it go live? The corgi head and tail set should be live within probably like a week or two from now, and our other one will probably be a few weeks after that. When are you gonna post this? This will, this will probably go out either the end of July or August. So oh, okay, so we should, should everything be should be ready to go then. So. Yeah. The other one is, so you know, like the best friend heart? Mm-hmm. And you split in half. This one is an internet friends in one, and it's a little browser, and it splits in half. And it says internet oh friends my on God. it. And uh. that came 
entirely from like people like you who I've been friends with on the internet for a long time and like rarely see in person. And, you know, like I've always had my friends make fun of me because I have a ton of internet friends. Like I, same here. I have a ton of people that I'm friends with on Twitter. I had a very close knit community on Tumblr for a long time. So, mm-hmm. and a lot of those people beca- became my in real life friends after IRL after a while. And, you know, I count them as my closest friends, so this pin is kind of a little love letter to them, and it means a lot to me, so I'm very excited about that. I love that. I mean, especially because, like, I'm the same way. I I don't get out much here, uh, so I don't have a lot of in-person friends Mm -hmm. uh, here in San Diego. So the majority of my friends are spread out all over the country or even in other countries. And so my wife constantly, she makes fun of me sometimes or she gets on to me. She's like, you don't have any friends here in San Diego. Make friends. Go out. Get out of the house. Like, I don't need friends. I have the internet. <laughs> I have the internet. The internet's our only friend. Um, internet friends are real friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. And it's and the thing is, is uh, what's great about that, and this is a little tangent, you know, she finally got to meet a bunch of these friends because I, I took her to Creative South last year mm-hmm. or this year uh, when I spoke. And so she finally, she would hear about all these people and then she finally got to meet them in person. And she's like, you weren't lying. <laughs> they weren't figments of your imagination. They're really human beings. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I think the only other thing I would have to promote is that now that we actually have this burn study workshop put together we're looking to do it more places and do more speaking engagements because it's really really fun to connect with people in person and you know as much as i love internet friends i love meeting people in person and talking to people and having it's there's nothing quite like like speaking your truth in front of a group of people and then responding with yes me too 100 percent, yes that so we did that at uh, CropCons, and I would love to do it again sometime soon. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I'm wanting to do in the future is to uh, start doing workshops, start doing webinars. I, and I've been saying this for a year now because I've done a couple of, of both, or quite a few of both, but it's something I need to start initiating mm-hmm. and doing. And in fact, I'm going to probably uh, ask you more about that some other time because I don't want to keep going on about this because this is already going to be an hour long we can apparently talk forever so (laughs) yeah but only so i'm I'm pretty sure if if i lived in memphis or you lived here in san diego we'd probably be be best friends for sure 100 (laughs) percent. i will plug one thing for you uh with uh with pretty useful is i have to say my favorite pen and it's the one that i bought two of because i knew my wife was gonna love it too Mm -hmm was the Bigfoot pen. Yes. I, I'm biased, but that one is also my favorite. That was, when I saw that, I was just like, I, it was no brainer. I instantly bought two of them because I was just like, I love this. I love anything with Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti. Yep. It doesn't matter. I love monsters, period. Yes. Cryptids so. especially. I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, I'm working. Yeah. I'm, I've been saying I've been working on the Yeti version of that one for a long time, but getting a three layer hard enamel pin is actually super hard, which is why there's not that many of them. I don't, mm. I think it's the only sliding three layer hard enamel pin I've ever seen. And there's a reason for that. It's because getting it produced is really hard. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Now, I've, I've always had an affinity for monsters. Like, of course, Cyclopses are my favorite. Yeah. Hence, you know, Blue Cyclops, my avatar, and everything like that. And honestly, my the the merch shop 
uh, that I've always wanted, or, or how did you put it, small goods brand, uh-huh. I love that, uh, has to do with monsters yes. and, and everything. And so it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And again, it just comes down to making the time to do it. Just got to do it. So, just do it. Do yeah. it like Nike. Just do it. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, and finally, where can everybody find out about you and all of your amazing work? Okay, so I will plug... Pretty Useful first. Uh, We are most active on Instagram as Pretty Useful. And then everywhere else, we are Pretty Useful Co. on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter, I'd say we are second most active on. Generally, we just retweet things that go viral, and that's about it. But uh, And then our online store is pretty-useful.co. And then for me, everything is under my name, A-L-L-I-E-M-O-U-N-C-E, Allie Mounts, on Instagram. And Twitter is probably where I am the most. Awesome. And you're also on Dribble too. Oh right? yeah, I'm also on Dribble. Yeah, I love Dribble. I forgot this is a design podcast. You guys are all on Dribble, yeah. I know. Well, it's like it's so many people are on, on Dribble and everything. I've been on for 6 or 7 years now. Mm-hmm. So I've been on for for quite a while. Yeah, same. I think I started on in like 2012, 13. I was 2013, yeah. I think. Yeah. Crazy. It was like right after my first Creative South, mm-hmm. which, by the way, have you ever been? To I have Creative not been South? to Creative South. I really want to go though. So that means that you're definitely going to go next yes. year, right? My little plug for yes. Creative South. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did Creative Works. You do Creative South. Wait, if you come to Creative Works, I'll go to Creative South. How about that? Oh. <laughs> now what? <laughs> okay. All right. Let me write that write in my notebook. I must go. <laughs> to creative works yeah i do okay. want to go to creative south though yeah it's it's like it's so close to you too it's like at least you don't have to do a giant plane That's ride true. all the way yeah you have you to know, travel down. across the country <laughs> yep every year without fail for the last five years since i've been out here in uh california yeah <laughs> I, I admire your commitment <laughs> just flying to seattle i almost died <laughs> oh god that was I, I flew first class to Seattle and back. I felt what? so good. Wow, uh, look at you. You're fancy. I was Air Miles. <laughs> I was in a window seat with a man halfway in my seat that was just like this big and he was just over here. So Yeah, yeah. that's always me. I'm always the one like I, I if I can move the thing, I move it up and I'm just like, Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Don't hate me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not your fault that my airline seat's tiny. Yeah, to your gut. hence the reason why I try and get first class. <laughs> yes, fair. Well, I want to thank you so much, Allie, for for jumping on here, for you know spending the last hour and a half, you know, with me, and just like having fun. Because I I hope you had fun. Oh yeah, I had totally. Fun. And I really hope all the listeners enjoy this interview. This is it was so great and. I, it's very safe to say I'm probably going to be reaching out to you because I probably have so many more questions I couldn't fit in this last hour plus that we've yes, been Yes, apparently doing we could talk for six hours, so we'll just do this again sometime. <laughs> yep, we're, we're podcast BFFs yes. right well, now. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. I really enjoyed doing it, and I'm really glad that I was able to make my microphone and my AirPods work this time. Yeah, yeah. That would have been funny if we had to reschedule for a third time. Yeah. At that point, it's just been like, it's not meant to be. We just can't do it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, well. But it was meant to be, and you did an amazing job. So I want to thank you again for probably the umpteenth time for being on the podcast. And definitely, if you guys have a chance, go check out the show notes for this episode. 
and check out all of her amazing work and all those amazing uh, pens from Pretty Useful. They are spectacular. Thank you so much, and I hope you all have an amazing day. All right, podcast family, we are done with a brand new episode. I am so excited to be back, to be editing this new podcast, and I just want to give a huge shout out to Allie Mounts for sitting down with me, putting up with all my questions, and just like being so amazing on the podcast. Now, to give you guys a little bit of a heads up, new things are happening. Currently, I am working on a brand new website. It is October 14th, so I don't know if a new website will be up quite yet, but if you guys would like to check out the show notes and check out more information about Alley Mounts, Pretty Useful, and everything else we talked about in today's episode, you can go to designbreakpodcast.com and check out the show notes. Again, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. If you guys have a little bit of time, please remember to rate and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever else you guys are listening to this podcast. All of you are amazing. I'm so glad you guys have stuck around, even though we took so long of a break. But don't worry, there is more stuff coming and I am super excited about it and I hope you guys are too. Until next time, always remember to stay passionate, stay positive, and stay creative, everybody. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Have a great whenever you guys are listening to this episode. Talk to you guys later. 